now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse Podcast listeners. This is your host, Dan Harshman, as always with his partner in crime. Austin Young. How are we doing this morning, Austin? I'm ready to talk about props. I am ready to talk about props, too. It's been a, a chaotic couple of weeks, just lots of family stuff. I know Easter happened, and uh, we got every delay we can have. We have all the major problems of a zoo and major theme park on <laughs> getting these podcasts recorded. Um, joining us today with his cats, you can't see them, but he's got many, and they've got medical issues, is Mr. Matt Burkett. Matt, why don't you say good morning to our listeners? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing perfectly fine, actually. Doing well. Good. It's a nice, nice crisp Sunday morning. Yeah. How are the, the how are the cats? They're fine. <laughs> they're just okay. <laughs> Weather is finally starting to change, um, which has been great. So I've actually been able to get some painting done uh here and there. But we're going to jump into it. I feel like we have a lot to talk about today. Um, and we're going to get to our main topic. Our main topic today is going to be uh, Ghostbusters, the video game props, which I'm I'm really jazzed about. That's always been, you know, like all props, one of my favorites. And I think uh, bringing Matt on with his, uh, you know, needs no introduction, impressive video game build is a great way to do that. But before we get there, of course... Uh, Ghostbusters prop news. Um, Austin. Yes. Anything jump out at you? Uh, not that I paid attention to. All right. Well, Throwing <laughs> Chicken, Throwing Chicken has released his uh, 4.0 wand with oh, a did. pop mechanism. Yeah, I did see that. And it's really, really impressive. It's It's very cool. You know, I've... I've kind of stayed off of even looking at a lot of uh, resin wands and things like that. And I don't, I don't have a project that I would be able to use a resin wand for, but it's really good looking. And I I almost want to buy it just, just to have it so I can put it together. I have no idea what I would put it with, but. uh, Well, I mean, it could be literally just a model kit. You put it together and you stick it on a shelf and look at it. Yeah. That that's true, but I mean, throwing chicken. I mean, he's been a staple for for throwers. I know my my first pack in two thousand nine had a throwing chicken Mark One, and at the time was the the bee's knees of throwers. Mm-hmm. Matt, have you 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 follow Shane's work pretty closely? I mean, he's yeah. He actually contacts me from the time to time to just double check on things and ask me about a couple. Like when he was working on his popping mechanism, he was asking me a couple questions and stuff. So. But his popping mechanism is wholly his idea. It's yep, it's totally his, his own idea, and he uh, I think he three D printed a lot of it as well. I think he has also recently had contacted me about the what was it? I think it's like the front, um, not I guess nub would be what you would call it. like where you uh, feed the front handle into like that mm-hmm. section. I think he sure. reached out to me about that as well. Like he asked me, he he reaches out to me every once in a while. And we just ask questions, or we talk 
about stuff. I mean, so. he's he's well detail oriented. I, I think the thing I like about his pop mechanism, it is designed with the fact that his wand is built out of resin in mind. So it seems to be lower impact than what RJ has, which is a little bit closer to the screen used one. Um, but I, Honestly, I feel one of my favorite things about his builds, and I don't know if he actually posts it public, but um, on his personal Facebook page, he shows how he 3d prints like the supports for the molds themselves. It's super impressive. I, yeah. I, his I, molds I are beautiful. Yeah. Just from like a mold making standpoint, it's like, holy, I'm not going to curse, but you know what I mean? Like, holy. No, you can curse. Ho- holy fuck. fuck. It's fine. Yeah. Holy fuck. It's you know, amazing. Fudge. Like those 3D printed uh, like molds and stuff like that are crazy. Yeah. His 3D printed molds are incredibly impressive. And even more so impressive is how he redesigned uh, the, the handles on through the grips themselves now have a completely new design process. I mean, his it's it's really it's almost a ground up rebuild of his thrower kit that's but it's still maintaining all the quality that you would expect from you know from throwing chickens so i'm i'm pretty jazzed about it i might i might have to pull the trigger on one of his kits um i did talk to him a little bit um he's looking at a a two-week backlog so i guess everybody is as excited (laughs) as i am about his new um thrower so i was i'm happy to see though that he's still innovating it seems like he sells out almost as quickly as tom cook does with his patches <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sorry guys <laughs> i mean it, it's quality um you know todd does amazing work and he just released his uh his afterlife patch mm-hmm. and it's it's gorgeous i haven't picked it up yet um, I think it will be a little bit easier to get as far as his patches go and his availability of material. Because, yeah, I mean, Todd's biggest hang-up with his patches is just he sources the right material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if he can't get the correct material, he's not making that patch. Yeah. Um, which I think is a great attention to quality. So two great builders, though, um, Todd Cook and, and Shane Black, also known as Throwing Chicken, and you can find his store on Etsy. Just search Throwing Chicken, um, and he's got a number of kits on there. My my personal favorite of of his is, of course, the what we're referring to as kind of the semi-hero Ghostbusters one trap, which is the the Rotocast Ghostbusters one trap. So not all the function and feature of a hero trap, but has all the visual aesthetics. So it's not quite as simplified down yet to uh, a stunt trap status. I would love for him to do a stunt trap. I miss Nicotron's Ghostbusters 2 stunt traps. Mm-hmm. Those were those were great. Did any of you guys ever get your hands on those? No. Nope. Um, I I built a Nicotron trap. It wasn't a stunt one. I actually had like the cartridge came out and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I actually built that for a display in Dubai. Actually, that like, Ghostbusters ride in Dubai. Yeah, so, yeah. One, one of Nicotron's traps are, are sitting on display there, and I, I'm the one who built it. So, yeah, not well, anymore. He... Somebody's going to go swipe it now. <laughs> They'll There's just a... punch through the glass and take it. You know, so... you you had a big impact on that Dubai display. I know I had a small hand in it, helping a mutual friend of ours, Mike Kermabon, uh, building a slime, slime blower. blower. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
That I'm was still sad I didn't get to project. do the proton pack for it. I know, I know. You guys fought. You fought the good fight, but it is what it is. So let's see. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and move it into our you've earned it transition. Austin, I I hear you have two, and I know I have one. So let's uh, let's get right into it. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. Remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. You've, you've earned it. Austin. Dan. You have two today. I do. Um, the first one that I can't not talk about, just because I he's messaged me uh, during the course of this build, and and then one day I get on the workbench, and oh, it's done. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Galena posted oh. his his hero Vinkman pack that he's been working on. He's been working on that for a hot minute too. Yeah. He's using the, uh, he was lucky enough to get a hold of two of the Anovos. Uh, what are they? The Spangler legacy packs or whatever. Yes. The, the really expensive yeah. ones and completely stripped them down to the shell, uh, has done a lot of work reworking the shell and, and changing details, adding details specific to the Vinkman pack. Um, and the attention to detail is just phenomenal, and it's just ridiculously impressive. Um, now, the Anovo Spangler Legacy—that was—that was, that had a five thousand dollar price tag on it, right? Something like I, that. I know. I saw, five. like, depending on where you bought it from, I think you could get it for like thirty five hundred. Okay, I mean, still thirty five hundred for a <laughs> shell. <laughs> a lot of money. I yeah. mean, that's dedication, but well spent um yeah that build is gorgeous and he did a great job of of bringing it to to a vankman hero rather than than what it really is which is the, the superhero mm-hmm. um and which then, he's, he's he's working on a superhero also with the second pack that he got from Minova. so i'm good. looking forward to that when it's finished that's excellent and uh where can you find joseph's build uh, as far as I know, it's it's on the workbench. I think he might have posted it on GB Fans. Um, he did. Okay. I think he also posted it in uh, How to Build a Proton Pack as okay. well. He, That's he, the uh, problem with with some of these groups is things get posted to multiple places, and it it'll have like this little notification banner at the top, like so and so posted in twelve groups, <laughs> and it's just one post. It's just it's just twelve posts of Matt's Omni. <laughs> cover <laughs> yeah. look what i made on canvas hand painted <laughs> spared no expense um look how many another... children i had to uh enslave to make this <laughs> <laughs> goodness gracious um and, but but there is another one as well you said yeah. uh from what group I, did you see it in i saw it in the 3d printed ghostbusters props group um, mm-hmm. And I saw it last night, actually. It's by, I believe his name is Paul Bradford. Let me double check. I should have done this. Should have had this prepared. What? No. Yeah, Paul Bradford. Okay. And it's it's a custom pack that uh, it's very, it's heavily inspired by the uh, Afterlife concept art. Oh. There's a lot of details and. and I was gonna say the, which which one though. Yeah, it's like kind of a, versions. It, it's like a mishmash of a bunch of the different elements from the different concept art, and on top of his own like custom 
take on things um and it's pretty cool looking like i really he's got a yellow bumper instead of a red one Mm -hmm. uh with the caution stripe and the little on the the left side um you know the thrower kind of has the uh sentry cannon the one you call saber it's kind of got one of those barrels on it okay um it's a it's a neat looking build i really dug Um, it i'm looking at it right now that's that's actually a really cool build. Yeah, I know exactly what concept art you're talking about too. Um, yeah, I went. I, think... I went and like checked the different uh, pieces of art and just kind of was looking. And there's that main larger image with uh, whatever that is. It almost looks like a fishing reel or something on the on the end of the end filter. Mm-hmm. That I love that detail. I just it think it looks that's so like cool. a, a phone, a rotary phone dial. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so he is heavily taking inspiration off of the concept art that has yeah, the the red bumper, but he made his yellow. Mm-hmm. Um but that's that's still really cool. And it looks like there's a little bit of real Ghostbusters inspiration in there too. Mm-hmm. Um as the the gearbox is yellow and the booster tube has worn red underneath underneath it that's a gorgeous build i'm glad you brought that one to my attention i i had unfortunately missed that one but i went and and looked it up that's that's really really cool um i would i would say i would kind of hope he switches out that ribbon cable yeah if i had to nitpick anything it would just be that it's that super common uh, yeah 60 pin ribbon cable or whatever but it's that that's other than that super common um, but you know, not the, the Spectre strip or, or even a Ghostbusters one style, but other than that, I mean, like that's for a custom pack. Generally, I don't, you know, I don't think people really capture it with a custom pack, especially with so many alterations and deviations from what we normally see, but this is, this is a good looking custom piece. Great job, Paul. Yeah. I really dug it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Um, Matt. Yes. Have there been any builds that have been catching your eye? Two, actually. One is on the workbench, and one is actually just a friend, a mutual friend of ours that's been posting on his own personal page. There's two people building After a Life Ghostbuster uh, Ghost Trap pedals. Mm-hmm. Austin is one of them. <laughs> Aww. And then the other one is Mike Kermabon, who we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Both both of them are, are building a. Um, uh, afterlife pedals and super cool to see people try to dissect it and build it it's interesting it's been actually great to follow mike's progress i i i love mike and i haven't talked to him really in in far too long but his trap pedal is looking gorgeous i i know he got into metalworking as a profession and it's really showing through on what mm-hmm. he's building I wish he would share to the community, but he's just not a. a so I did guy. ask him about that. He said once he's done, he's going to because he doesn't want people oh, bother bothering him throughout the process. Of like, hey, where'd you get that? What's that piece? Like he wants okay. to wait till he's done and then go through all that instead of doing it doing that while also building. So he's oh, like, well, let's announce his name to our seventy plus <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, I mean, but like, how many of them are? Is he actually going to like if they send him a friend request just to see his uh, panel? Is not, he going to be like, yes, none of them. <laughs> 
None he's of a curmudgeon. So <laughs> he, he is. He is my by far my favorite curmudgeon and incredibly talented builder. He is, and uh, I, I got to agree with you, Matt. Um, both Austin, many kudos to you, and Mike. I don't know if he listens or not. Um, their trap pedals are just coming out gorgeous, and it's been a real pleasure to to follow along on this. Austin, it's because- it's interesting watching them like both of you guys problem solve for like the bottom hinged pe- part of the pedal the thing that we that's don't really see a whole ask lot that's what i was going to ask austin how are you what's your process for pulling that information because that that like double pedal bracket mess nonsense i can't i keep looking at the photos that you've shared of not not just yours but of reference photos and i can't make heads or tails of what's going on in there I mean, it's like anything else. It's just staring at it until you can't stare at it anymore. <laughs> um, there, oddly enough, something I feel that has always helped for me is it's one thing to stare at a screen capture. Yeah. But I'll go I'll go to the movie and it, it helps to see it in motion, even if the prop is stationary in the scene. That's um, how you figure out there's no maroon tape. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I watch the footage over and over and over. Um, I pause, I freeze frame, frame by frame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 12 different photo editors on my phone that I run everything to to try and enhance and, and pull out detail <laughs> out of grainy, out-of-focus shots of the pedal of the movie. You're just um, Harrison Ford sitting in his dark apartment. With, and Blade uh, Runner, in Blade yeah. Runner, with, with Johnny some Walker. Scotch, <laughs> with yeah. Johnny Walker, <laughs> and Hans, <Yeah>. and Hans. <laughs> well, it's I annoying. Mean... The other thing that's annoying about like screen capping stuff on your phone is if you had purchased the, the the movie on like YouTube, now when you try to screen cap from like the YouTube version of the film, it blacks out any screen caps. Like when, oh, yeah. I, when I originally got it, I could do it, but then I literally checked like a week, uh, a month ago to take screen caps for someone, and it just wouldn't work anymore. I was like, oh, I guess they changed that. That sucks. Yeah, That's like that, and Voodoo, a bunch of the the digital uh, platforms don't they have some kind of copyright protection enabled, which is stupid. Yeah, but I, it's okay. I, mean, I, I have a digital copy of it on my laptop, so now I just have to. I can only do that stuff on my laptop now. So whatever. Well, and I hate, you know, I don't like bugging people for screen caps because I never know exactly what I need a screen capture of. Right. You know, what what exactly, you know, what frame? I mean, yeah, I guess I could give a timestamp, but but no, it's it's a process. You know, there's that one behind the scenes shot that we have of the thing like partially assembled. Mm-hmm. Um and then just a bunch of screen caps from the movie and uh like I just discovered yesterday Again, it's just something, and it blends into the the pedal base, so it's really easy to overlook. But the the D sub connector mm-hmm. on the front of the the smaller project box actually has a black cable coming out of it. Hmm. Oh, so there's a third cable on that on that trap pedal. Oh, wow. uh, interesting. So I ran to the hardware store and got some black hose, and you know that's one more thing to add. And and it's weird. We were just talking about this before we started recording, but like how you, how you do so much research and you, you pick out all these details that you sometimes overlook something that's super obvious. Oh yeah. Uh, I've been building this pedal on a, what was formerly like a GB2 pedal. Right. Uh, just an, an old pedal that I had. 
the afterlife pedal base is way wider. That's what Mike, the GB2 Mike, the Mike GB1. has been doing with his. He made it his wider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just like I suddenly was looking at the back of it and realized, oh well, there's there's a ton of extra space on either side of that vector plate that there's not on the originals. So I got to build a whole new base, but it's fine. Super fun, right? Yeah, I I think the thing I'm most excited about is I'm excited to see who can make the afterlife pedal springy enough. <laughs> you know, it's never been something that's done with a, a Ghostbusters one or two because you just stomp on the pedal, so nobody's yeah. really worried about the the. No the one's Paul rutted one of these pedals before. Exactly, I need somebody yeah. to you know do the little. I'm shickling the pedal. I guess I'm sure as hell gonna try. I was looking at the footage yesterday, and I was like, man, I really want it to do that. I yeah, I mean, it needs to. It's such a great sight gag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was, uh, I, I really mad props out to Mr. Tom Morris as far mm-hmm. as you've earned it. He has been doing a classic, um, shell master build out of styrene plastic with super high attention to wonk detail. Um, and I, I think that just deserves special notice uh as far as the you know as this podcast goes um not only is he getting you know the the wonk and crazy directions going on with cosmetic ribs on his master mold um he's trying to also put in all of the weird cosmetic defects um Mm -hmm. you know just things like the scratches the bumps uh chips away at the the plastic and everything like that and he's gotten most of the upper section of the proton pack completed so uh gun box crank gen gearbox uh power cell and it's coming along beautifully yeah it's it's a really gorgeous build it is i i just love seeing scratch builds i i have never scratch built something to that volume before so anytime i can see one it's always just impressive it always just blows me out of the water um you know matt matt did you ever scratch build your own master uh yes i have uh my uh i think it's the pack that it wasn't a master i just scratch built i had a styrene pack for a bit um okay and it was like the first decent looking pack is the third pack i built and that was the one that i did a whole like like a 20 page thread on gb fans about and that's what got people talking to me more it may it definitely helped me get a little bit of spotlight at the time was when i scratch built that um and then I, yeah so I, I never cast it but i definitely i scratch built a, a, a shell ready ass styrene well you and jack are are pretty johnny on the spot as far as um styrene and and foam core builds yeah. i know jack well i mean i, I you know what technically my the real ghostbusters uh shell that was scratch yeah. built styrene um and also uh um the master of for it was and so was the our game pack uh mm-hmm. it was a fiberglass shell but then we we literally chopped it up and and added all the stuff with styrene and fixed all the plating and all the stuff so like a good 50% of that was styrene the master was styrene as well very cool that's awesome and we're going to talk about that video game pack here in mm-hmm. in just a few minutes um but before we do that we're going to we're going to talk about what's on our workbench which we've already kind of started delving into that but i know i have some some bitching i want to do about my workbench so (laughs) (laughs) here we go 
What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. Austin. Yes. I need to bitch. Go for it. What's on your workbench, Dan? Tell us. Tell <laughs> my, us all about it. My superhero proton pack. Uh, I am I am preparing for a new better shell. And in part of that process, I've gone ahead and started pulling all of the metal parts off of um, my Chris Bosch shell, which, by the way, is still an absolutely beautiful shell and still highly recommended. But And he's busy right now redoing his shell master as well. He is, yeah, mm-hmm. which, which is really exciting. Um, but you were talking about just staring at things, and one of the things I fought with was my injector tubes and uh, drilling out the rivets. There's, there's two pop rivets. It's the only pop rivets on the entire pack that's actually visible on the outside of the pack. So, of course, I had to pop rivet them in which is the L bracket that supports the injector tubes. Mm-hmm. And after fighting with that for about 40 minutes, I, I get it out with no damage done to any of the parts. Shell's good. Injector tubes are good. I'm looking at that per my reference, and I realized that when I had ordered them five years ago, four years ago, something like that, I ordered them with chamfered corners. <laughs> So the plate that that connects right underneath the power cell is 100% incorrect for the superhero. And there's no way to <laughs> there's no way to fix that. I can't add corners onto it. I mean, I guess I mean, I if could, you knew how to weld, could... you could cut the old plate off, well, cut a new one, weld that on. <laughs> I thought I was... about that. I actually thought about cutting the tack welds off and sanding them or grinding them down. And going and finding a new plate of aluminum, um, as as a solution, but I'm still frustrated because it's a beautiful part. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, RJ, he's just so busy with life that I don't know when his next run of injectors is gonna be, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, was there a particular pack that actually did have chamfered sides on on the uh, corners on the? I haven't gone back and looked. Um, I want to say there probably is. I mean, if RJ offered it, I would assume that there is. But at the same time, RJ is also, um, you know, he's not just with the super accurate enthusiasts. He's for the people that want to build idealized packs. And that kind Mm -hmm. of cosmetic feature, I I can definitely see fitting on, on an idealized pack. It was just frustrating to, to fight with something that, I could have realistically left on that pack and just gone and bought new injectors or had someone make new injectors. Cause it's not a terribly complex piece. I'm just, just frustrated with myself noticing. This details. is also one of those perfect examples of like the stuff that drives us absolutely nuts. Yeah. And this is, this is a detail that literally no one else will ever notice or care about. <laughs> No. Like, let me move your ribbon cable out of the way so I can see how your injector. Let me shine are... a flashlight <laughs> down in there. <sighs> well, uh, even um, the the booster tube, you know, the, the the booster frame that I had on 
on my assembly uh, is a screen used lineage booster frame. Um, but it's thinner, so I decided I wanted to go with one of Max Factories, because obviously Max Factory, it's coming straight from the superhero. So, you know, that's 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 going to be the best resource as far as um, what pack I'm building. So I was thinking, oh, okay, I'll be able to take this booster frame off, put the Max Factory on with absolutely no no. They don't line effort. up, do they? They don't line up at all. They're, it's like half an inch larger. Um, and like, I've always thought that, uh, this particular booster frame looked a little smaller and I'm, I'm leaning towards it may have coming off of a semi-hero, um, just due to shrinkage of, of the mold over time. I'm not, I'm not sure. I would have to go back to the resource and I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names cause it's not offered anymore. It's not really big out there. Um, but even, uh, Matt, the, the bumper that I got that has screen use lineage, I don't think that's from the superhero either, comparing it to, to the one coming from Max Factory. Um, now Aaron has assured that there's very, very little cleanup on them. Um, you know, enough cleanup at least to, to add kind of their, their, uh, plate that has you know the copyright information and stuff on it um and the information or but but other than that the details seem to be relatively different are you able to shed any light on that that particular bumper with where it um, came from or purported or what or i'm actually know? not sure i know the bumper that has been floating around for a while was i mean it seems like it's off the the superhero because it still has like the resin i mean like the red like has the glue residue, residue. where yeah well in the spot where the uh superhero had the label on at one point in the wrong spot so that makes me feel like that's it definitely lines up with uh um a lot of the uh stuff like photos and stuff we have too mm -hmm. so i i feel like that's from the one well, that's, that's floating around that's what i thought too but i have to go back and look at the reference library but i feel like the venkman semi-hero from ghostbusters 2 might also have the bumper reversed hmm now I do have. know, like uh, um, Ken Hugel let uh, Nick Bedwell cast his semi-hero bumper off his semi-hero uh, um, pack that he had. He only had a few bits of it. That's the pack that got stolen when when uh, Ken moved to uh, 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 Romania. And uh, sure, which we'll call it. So, but he still had a bumper, and I think the shock knob or something like that. And uh, um, he let Nick cast the the bumper. So uh, I know, and I have that. I have a cast of one of those bumpers too, and they are distinctly different. Like the as far as like from a semi-hero versus the one that we think is from the superhero. So. Right. It definitely warrants uh, some more looking into. Mm -hmm. um, but Matt, how about you? Are you working on anything right now? Um, so a couple things I'm working on. Uh, actually last week, it's not really Ghostbusters related, but I was uh, for my brother. I got him a, like a, a retro handheld emulator, like uh, like a handheld game uh, device, yeah. a gaming device. Yeah. And last week I was playing on only taking like two hours to set it up and mail it to him. And then I was going to work on Ghostbusters props. Well, that turned into a day and a half <laughs> getting that thing set up correctly. Um, Cause I knew if I didn't have it set up correctly, when I sent it to my brother, he would have looked at it, turned it on and be like, I don't know how to use this and would have just put it on the shelf. I was like, well, that would have been a waste of my, my own money. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so I had to make sure that it was uh, set up correctly. So that was, that was technically on my workbench. I feel like I put enough time into getting that working. That was 
on my workbench. But as far as Ghostbusters related, I am actually, after we're done recording this podcast, I'm going back to working on Arduino code for uh, my afterlife pack. Uh, I'm very cool. I'm going to be having the, the wand communicate to the audio via Bluetooth receivers. I've never done that before because I want to cut down on the wires going from the wand to the pack. So there's only going to be two wires going from the wand to the pack, just power and ground. And then everything else communicated will be through uh, Bluetooth. So nice. I'm going to be messing with that and probably cursing up a storm later on today. <laughs> Get some video footage. No, and the, not, no, of the cursing. Come on. And to backtrack, um, I went ahead and pulled up the Ghostbusters reference library. Um, and specifically the album number six, Ghostbusters 2 Semi-Hero Proton Pack. The bumper is set up identically to the superhero, but this is obviously not the superhero. And I'm wondering with the, uh, the lateral seam on there, if that's not that bumper that was floating around. Uh, who knows, man? You know how this stuff. I know, I know. How... <laughs> you know, like your 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 booster frame. Yeah, but I wonder if the booster frame is also from it because the booster frame on on this semi hero looks to be thinner. Mm-hmm. It looks like it would be a closer match, um, to to what I originally had. It's still cool to have, of course, lineage pieces. I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, but with with the max factory of just having a couple more things now offered, it it definitely helps builders kind of dial in a particular um, pack that they're building. Well, and and the one thing to be mindful of because I remember I still have the picture saved by uh, from Vanky when he was selling mm-hmm. his stuff, and that's where mm-hmm. a lot of people's co- uh, copies of the of that bumper came from. And mm-hmm. his original mold, like he showed, there's a picture that he had of that bumper in a uh, plywood mold like that he was making and mm-hmm. there's no mid seam going across the center of the, of the original one. Hmm. So that's only from his own mold making afterwards. He, he guess he did okay. a two part seam or two part mold. So that's from his, his own mold making, I guess the mystery continues. Yeah. That's something to be mindful <laughs> of too. Um, well that, and you know, if Somebody else gets one, they get a cast, they recast it, somebody else recasts that recast, somebody reworks something, yeah. and then it all just gets so muddled. It does. So Austin. There's, there's, there's that, just to mix it up a little bit more. Just to make things a little more confusing. Thank you, thank you. Austin. Yes. What you working on, bud? Well, we already covered the uh, ghost trap pedal. We did. How's um, that Phoebe pack coming? <laughs> you're making a phoebe pack <laughs> yeah dude have i not talked about it yeah i'm making a phoebe pack uh which you know i'm making slow progress on that i finally finally got my copper rod in the mail to make mm-hmm. the uh, ion arm rods which was a pain in the ass because my lathe is not cooperating with me but that's another story um I'm i'm almost to the point now uh again after we record this podcast i'm going up to my shop and i'm gonna uh, drill and tap all the holes for the clippered valve disc wires, <laughs> and then I believe at that point my shell and most of the parts are ready to paint. By the way, just uh, something I did, Austin, that might be helpful for you. But that mm-hmm. is uh from McMaster Car. They sell um uh, threaded inserts for plastic, and if you get like the oh. four forty uh 
threaded ones that you literally just like you drill a hole and you literally just with your thumb, you can just press them into the plastic and they have enough knurling on that they won't come out. And that's what I used on mine. So I could easily screw my, those, all those wires to that base and then undo it for when I go to paint it without having to like thread into the fiberglass itself. I've already waited for parts from McMaster Car, which showed up yesterday or Friday. Oh, okay. I don't want to. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> but for future for future reference, I actually might try that. Yeah, that's what um, I did, just to make it more like solid as far as like screwing them into the shell, and then also to undo them if I need to. Well, hopefully these never get taken out again after after it gets painted. But you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, I'm I'm actually glad that you mentioned that though, Matt, because um, I did make a little more um, just pre- progress on my IDW thrower. Um, it's been a lot of me just procrastinating because you, you got to use all that Bondo filler on it, and I'm just using mm-hmm. the the already prepped filler that comes in the smaller tube, so not mm-hmm. the the two part Bondo. Um, but it has plastic thread inserts that will be needed on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I had been planning on making a McMaster car order, um, and I haven't placed it yet. So now I'm going to, I'm going to look Yeah, they have a bunch so of different types some... of threaded inserts, but they have one specifically for plastic, which, like I said, it's, it's, you, the ones I have are brass and they have like this, like pretty aggressive knurling on the outside of it. So when you cool. press, you press fit them press into whatever them in, you, yeah. you're, you're, you're working on and they kind of grip into it and then you can, then you have a threaded hole. So. Oh, excellent! Yeah, because this is a the gun body is three D printed. Mm-hmm. Um, Shape Forge Props did uh, the the custom design for me, so it's more you know comic booky um, mm-hmm. rather than a, a standard thrower. I'm pretty happy with the stability of it so far. Nice. You know, I it's still not something I would set out in the sun. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. no! You know, especially even, if it's PLA. Please don't. Yeah, I only if you hot glue it together, then you can glance it out of the side. <laughs> so it falls apart again. Well, excellent, excellent. So our main topic today is Ghostbusters, the video game props. Are we we ready to talk about that? Sure, let's talk about ghost bait and uh, and super marshmallow sensors. <laughs> Listen, you smell something. There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? All right. Welcome back, guys. As always, listening to the Black Firehouse podcast. Remember, you can catch us um, whenever we decide to release. I, I can't say every Tuesday anymore because we that ship has sailed. Um, no, you have to say every Tuesday because we have to... We have to have something hanging over our heads to encourage us to record. That's true, yeah. Every Tuesday, that's true. We're going to try and get back on track. Austin and I sat down and planned out uh, this session, session 12, actually planned out all the way to session 20 um, for, for not, topics. Not 47? <laughs> no, not 47. We're not there yet. We haven't got our voice. Um, 46. 46. God, sorry. I'm, ah, that's my, my fault. My little, it, it is. Uh, I blame um, myself. <laughs> so do I. But you can actually, catch us actually, on what? I'm trying to advertise. 40, I, I think it is 47. I'm 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 getting old. <laughs> uh, God. Continue, my bad. <laughs> this podcast is a nightmare. Um <laughs> you can catch us on uh our RSS feed, Spotify, um 
also on Apple Podcasts. And then, of course, every following Friday, we upload our episode onto YouTube. You can follow us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or, of course, join the conversation on Spengler's 1984 Workbench. So today, we are talking about Ghostbusters the Video Game Props. And Ghostbusters the Video Game, I think, is the first time that we really got to see a official source that changed the look of the Proton Pack in fairly significant ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, of course, I mean, I loved that game. It came out, what, 2009? Yep, 2009. Is when it released after a year-long delay. And and some, you know, supposition that it may not even come out. So that was a nail-biter. Um, oh, yeah. I out. forgot about that. Yeah. Then it, yeah then thank it you, Atari, out. for publishing it. Yes. yes. Um, so it released. The gameplay is fun. It, fun enough that it warranted a remaster that came out a year or two ago. Um, the multiplayer was fun, too. The multiplayer was a lot of fun. I loved yeah. the, the rank-up uniforms. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was the best interpretation of changing the Ghostbuster uniforms in a in a way that was. Still, still see people cool. making those. Like Fernando's pretty uh, has it like has made like six of them now for for himself. Yeah, he has a whole closet. He has all yeah. the ranks. He yeah. actually is still ranking up. He he goes home, <laughs> plays the multiplayer. When he ranks up again, he commissions Makes a new, new suit. jumpsuit, forces Gibson <laughs> and Barnes to never <laughs> to never do custom commissions again. Um, He's literally working on one right now, too. So I believe yeah. it. So I think the first time I saw a video game pack out in the wild was our friend Wayne Newmeyer, which is AL7 Props on Facebook. And he does a lot of incredibly impressive scratch builds as well. Um, and has now gotten into to 3D printing and, and things like that. Uh, definitely look him up. But Matt, I we want to hear about your build so wayne's build was incredible i i Mm -hmm. I got to see it got to hold it it was light he did a lot of scratch build um and and wayne has an attention to detail that i love um but but wayne is one of the great prop builders that likes to build from everything um, hmm. you know, definitely more in line with someone I would say like Vulpin props where he's, he's doing a little bit of a, a little bit of B, you know, a little bit of C and D. Whereas, whereas, you know, you, you're more like Austin and I, where it's just like, yeah, I love building props and collecting props, but I'm just going to keep building Ghostbuster shit over and over and over. I'm just going to keep again. building proton packs till, till I eventually <laughs> make one that literally works. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and your build was a partnership with Jack. Yep. Um, and Jack, you know, me and Austin are huge fans. I mean, not only just being friends, but his skill level is, mm-hmm. it's almost a lost art. You you mm-hmm. don't really see, that's why uh, Tom's pack caught my, my eye so much, is that you don't see the scratch bills to the level that the Jack does. Um, but he comes from that old school model maker mentality you know yeah, styrene and super glue yeah styrene yeah. and glue and stuff like that and um he runs that website uh bloody, bloody plastic. plastic yes yep. bloody it's plastic. specifically because of how many times he's cut his hand with an exacto blade <laughs> or a sharp piece of plastic <laughs> and, and i yeah. absolutely believe it but walk us through how that went get, yeah give us the give us the a to z on on your video game pack so 
Jack and I, back in like 2000, I want to say like 10 or 11, we're like, you know what? Let's build, let's build game packs. You know, like we, we looking at it, like a couple of the people had tried, I think there was like two or three people that tried before us and they were fine. But it's one of those things where when you're trying to recreate a video game, it becomes very, uh, part, something from a video game, especially from a video game from 2009, it becomes very apparent that uh, there's a lot of shortcuts that were made visually to make those mm-hmm. packs. A lot of copy and pasting of textures, a lot of uh, false geometry and all this other stuff and how things would just clip into each other and whatnot. We're like, how do we, how do we try to do that in a realistic way as best we could? Um, and it was actually quite the undertaking to the point where like uh, Jack actually uh, got the game on PC and he played through it uh, just so he could then go through and screen cap everything. We have high res screen caps of every version of the pack that Jack just did on his computer um, just so we could get reference. Um, well, even, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, even getting the reference is difficult just because of the views Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not a game that has an adjustable camera. So no. to get the close up of some of that false geometry, yeah. you have to like run your character into a wall. Yeah. So then... the camera would like <laughs> smash up against you for a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we weren't uh, lucky enough to have access to actual game models and stuff at the time. I know there's a couple people that have have those now. Um, but yeah, we didn't have those at the time. We just had uh, the PC game and and we were just screen capping from that. Yeah. Um, so we ended up taking a, uh, a we had permission from uh, someone that uh, was making the, the Biggie uh, uh, 330 shells mm-hmm. to take one, uh, make a mold of that so we can then modify it and then make the game pack. So the, the main body of our game shell did start off as a Biggie uh, 330 uh, shell. But I would say, I think I, as I mentioned before, like, when I actually got down to modifying it and adding all this, it's not just adding bits and pieces on like the ribs are different. They're thicker. There's, there's like fewer, fewer of them on the power cell. There's like, um, there's the sections added. the whole, all the cosmetic plates on the bottom of the pack are completely shaped differently. And there's not as many of them. There's like, we literally had to grind all the ribs off the pack, cut it up, rebuild it in styrene fiberglass it from the inside just to give it some support so when we cast it it didn't just like, collapse upon itself when we put the silicone pour the silicone mm-hmm. on top of it mm-hmm. um and we actually i think we backfilled it with a uh, um inflatable uh, uh not inflatable sorry self-expanding foam that's what i was trying to say mm-hmm. just so it wouldn't collapse when we were when we were molding it um or, or bow too much either um yeah that took an exceeding long amount of time and to the point where i got like i don't know 75 percent through doing that and i, I was like i'm frustrated with this jack here you you, you take a swing at it. And, he, and he finished thank god he finished it up um uh, on the shell piece so and then we made a mold uh we made a, a silicone mold I actually still have it haven't pulled anything from it. it's been sitting out in my garage so it's gone through a couple uh temperature cycles so who knows Ooh. how uh it, it how well that you could even take a, a cast from it and here's the other thing too that I don't, a lot of people ask us for casts from those molds that we made yeah. I don't think people realize that even with those casts, it doesn't make the building the pack any easier <laughs> in the sense oh, of no. like versus scratch building. Um, Cause there's still a ton of modifying and putting together, cleaning up all this stuff. And the reason we did it wasn't because we didn't want to have, we didn't, a, we didn't want to have to scratch build a bunch of packs ourselves, like, like mm-hmm. multiple packs. And also we want something stronger. Uh, like our, our, our wands are fiberglass wands with mm-hmm. um 
with uh, metal handles on them. And uh, it's just one of those things like, I think we've, we've sold maybe like two or three uh, like gun kits to people just because they asked. And I've never seen them ever complete it because it's so much work. <laughs> so that's the other thing too. The wand was also a whole other thing. Jack actually still has the, um, the styrene master. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's all white styrene and he used like green squadron putty. So there's just like mm-hmm. edges of green on this like white uh, wand. It's super cool looking. It's still sitting on the shelf. Um, I still marvel at it when I see it. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe we built that. <laughs> <laughs> now, so your your process of, of scratch building it, um, have you paid any attention to the people who now are offering like 3D kits, like 3D print kits? of the? I haven't. Apps? I've had a couple people ask us for measurements and I'm, mm-hmm. and the downside is I don't feel like like pulling my stuff apart, like like grabbing a pack and like sitting there and t- writing down measurements. I don't really feel like, to be honest with you, I don't feel like doing that. We didn't like, I don't know how to use AutoCAD. I don't like, I'm not going to sit and make a 3d model just so I can share with people like measurements and stuff. Right. So um, sadly, I don't really share that stuff. Mainly not because it's, I don't want to, it's just because it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I got other stuff to do, um, but Maybe I have because I, you don't want to, but because you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> It's because it's not because I don't want them to have the measurements. It's because I don't want to go through the process of gathering the measurements for them. Let me put it that way. There we um, go. <laughs> well, and but, it's also not that hard to do it yourself. Yeah, to extra- like, extrapolate. To, yeah, I mean, but I mean the three, some of the three. It's funny because some of the three D model stuff looks really great, and, and some of it also looks way off in dimensions. Like, so it really depends on who's making it. Like I've seen people buy kits off of like eBay and stuff and they look horrible. I've seen other people make like really good kits. So it really depends on who's making it. So I have seen some good ones. I have some seen some horrendous ones as well. So I, I'm going to plug shape forge again. Um, just because Martin, I know did a video game uh, pack and his, you can kind of choose mm-hmm. what level the, the pack is at and his prints are gorgeous. Um, so I will say that, so it is entirely possible, I think, to get his files and then do shoddy prints, but if you're ordering it straight from him, uh, he does very, very good work. I've been super pleased with, uh, his real Ghostbusters kit that I got from him. It's very, very clean. Um, do you think you and Jack, I know Jack still to this day, uh, doesn't do 3D printing, but (laughs) if that technology was available to you as readily as it is now, um, back in 2010, 2011, do you think you guys would have relied on 3D printing more than? I think the issue was, especially back then with 3D printing, um, the resolution wasn't very high back then. And mm-hmm. um, resin pr- printers weren't nearly as cheap as they are now because they like resin printing has been around since the 90s. Actually, that's the first way they I think it's one of the first ways they were doing 3D printing back then with a uh, mm-hmm. um, with UV sensitive uh, resin. Uh, but they were exceedingly expensive back then. And they're just now within like the last two or three years, it seems like they're becoming uh, cheap enough for consumers to buy. Um, so um, the other 3D printing back then just didn't seem like it's high enough resolution. And the amount of cleanup we would have had to have done back then, you might as well have just built it from styrene. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So what what was some of the cleanup process? So when when you were talking about getting that new master put together, um, the details that you incorporated was as far as having um well we don't really have a name for it i guess but that that second almost gun box that's over by the the synchronous generator and Mm -hmm. the the modified um cyclo rings cosmetic plates things like that uh so 
really it's closest to being ready for the, the stage two proton pack, which the which is with the dark so matter reactor. I, what what we what we did was we made it where um it it could on bare minimum be a stage two. That was the mm-hmm. the bare minimum it could do, but you could be built up to a stage four, which is what both Jack and I are building. Well, I built and he's also building right now. So, because um, the base part of the pack itself is that uh, once you hit stage two in the game, like the base of the pack doesn't really change form. It's uh, then they start adding stuff onto it after that, and the wand changes shape a little bit throughout the game. But so yeah, our our mold is mainly just for a stage two and above. I actually, know of my one friend. Chris Tilson, I remember him making a stage one uh, game pack. He still oh, okay. has. He, he's actually the one, his, the wand lights he has in it are actually the prototype ones that Jack made back in like 2010 uh, with the spinning uh, red uh, circles on, on the on the wand. Yeah, that was the first one that we did like that. Wow. And okay, so you, you have, you know, what you have cast in. <laughs> fiberglass wand, fiberglass shell, what were your next steps for getting it put together? I think as far as finding one, one of the biggest things that Jack and I constantly talking about are order of operations. When building mm-hmm. these packs, it's you have to sit down and spend time figuring out what order am I doing things? What like and how am I going to put stuff together? Because it's one of those things where like some of the things once you assemble, you can't disassemble. Some things you have to paint and put together, and and then you have to make sure you don't damage them as you're putting other things together, and making sure you don't. And, and same thing with electronics too. Like, you know, some electronics they like. I did my best to make mine uh, uh, to be removable as best I could, but there's certain things that are kind of had to be glued into place because there's no no other way of holding them in place because we didn't want to add a bunch of extra screws and all that stuff um, to to the pack that weren't visible in the video game. So there's a lot of stuff that is just. Order of operations is the biggest thing. I think that's what Jack is dealing with right now. Even he was talking to me, yeah, uh, was it yesterday or Friday about? Because he's working on the uh, electronic. He's been posting in a workbench. He's been doing a uh, little demos of the electronics he's been making for his pack. Yeah, and I I think we talked a little bit about Jack's electronics last episode because hmm. um, he he almost uh, engineered his electronics to have that built in video game quality that stutter. Yeah. which which I, I loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was really, really cool. Um, but what about, like, all the additional parts? Like, did, was everything scratch-built? Was there any found parts? Like, There's a few found parts, like uh, like the alligator clips on, mm-hmm. on the pack. Those are bought from, uh, I want to say it was either Harbor Freight or AutoZone. I forget which ones. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And there's a couple of resistors that are, are, are found parts, but a lot of it was... Scratch built, even like the it has it has vacuum tubes on it. And we didn't want to use legitimate vacuum tubes because if they go around a corner wrong and just smash into a wall, you literally just shatter and there's glass everywhere. They explode. So, yeah, yeah, they explode. So uh, um, we actually went and found we there's a uh, old electronic surplus place near where Jack lives that we went and just dug through boxes of vacuum tubes until we found mm-hmm. ones that looked sh- shape wise what we were looking for, and then we actually made molds of them and cast them in clear resin. And then we made our own labels for them and everything too, because there's a lot, there's a clear like labels on them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, yeah, everything we, we pretty much like 90% of that pack is scratch built other than like the Alice frame and right. a couple like resistors. We even had to have custom metal work done for us too. Like we had the, I forget what website it was, but Jack designed a couple metal pieces. Like there's uh, these brass rings that hold the slime blower. Um, 
uh, like uh, part of the wand to the, the 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 normal part of the wand on the thrower. It's like these two brass rings. We had to get those machined for us, as well as like the um, on the back of the wand. There's a, a a brass fitting that holds both the split loom and the slime hose that's going up as well. So we had to have those machined for us as well. Um, I guess the other thing that is a found part, we have a lot of uh, quick connect fittings uh, for like the slime stuff. Um, okay. And actually, the best found part is the KY jelly <laughs> that I had to dye green <laughs> for the, for all the slime stuff. Because I needed something that wasn't corrosive, that wasn't going to eat through the the plastic, uh, mm-hmm. like of the of the vinyl of the hosing or a, of the slime tube and stuff like that. So uh, I I ended up looking online to see like what does Hollywood use for like slime half the time, and I stumbled across the idea from uh, watching a documentary on uh, the original Alien. They used a ton they of do. KY to make that uh, um, Alien look all like uh, like slimy and droopy especially in that first the first reveal scene in the first alien movie it's literally just dripping they just dumped a bucket of ky on it <laughs> now how's uh how's that slime holding up on your pack it's actually pretty good i think i would say it's been in those tubes for pro- over 10 years now and maybe five percent of it's evaporated a little bit okay. but still pretty good like and if i really want to i could pull it apart and add more if i really wanted to oh cool the, the down the downside to it though is like Trying to get slime into those hoses, you have to have both ends open so air can escape. Because if you're just trying to shove like <laughs> slime into one <laughs> end of it, like it's just gonna, it's not going to go anywhere because the because uh, the pressure of the air that's in there it can't escape. So you have you have to kind of pull it all apart to do. But technically, it's possible if I really want to spend an afternoon to do that. But uh, it hasn't evaporated enough that I that I feel the need to fully replace it yet. And... I want to talk about the uh, the elbows really quick. Yeah. Okay. Are they the elbows that you used? Are they were they off the shelf elbows? Uh, the, uh, the ones that replaced the Legree's elbows. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They they're uh, off the shelf brass ones that we found. And because if I remember right, the uh, the ones in the video game are weird because it's like it's not a full right angle elbow. It's like a yeah. I don't know, like a what would you call that? Maybe like a sixty degree. Uh, yeah. uh, bend and it has like a weird like long brass tip to it and then the hose goes into that um, we didn't quite do that we just went with a, a, a full full brass um, uh, uh, pneumatic elbow instead that was a quick connect um, I, I well, felt I that remember... was the closest real world thing because I wanted those to be I, I wanted when you look at the pack I wanted it to look like it was like made from real parts just like the movie packs as best I could um that's why we had like metal work machine for it that's why we had like we did our best to make it solid not look like it was made out of uh um like plastic even though technically a lot of it is made out of fiberglass but like we did our best to try to clean up seams and hide uh the construction uh uh, process as best as possible to make it look like a you know same quality as the movie packs i've built so yeah i mean that makes sense well i remember you know terminal reality was in dallas and i knew some of the the Dallas Ghostbusters that were involved in kind of a few elements of, uh, I guess the making of the video game. Mm -hmm. And I know that like the, like the, the belt gizmo and stuff was taken directly from one of theirs. Oh, beautiful. Um, modeled completely off of that, you know, a fan made one. And I, I want to say some, even some elements of the pack and stuff were taken from there. And I think that's where the, the brass elbows come from Oh, nice. and why there's, and it, it drives me nuts. I mean, it's fine because it's the video game. It's different. The details are different, but also they had all these amazing reference pictures from Sony mm-hmm. and they still went with these like fan made elements. Even, even a lot of the labels on the pack are 
direct copies of old fan made labels that were just made up bullshit. Well, and, and that's what I was going to say. Actually, um, I, I had a, my friend uh, John Johnny Ruckus actually helped me make the labels on, on the game pack. And what we found out was that when we looked really closely at the labels in the game, there's a I forget what the type font uh, font is, but there's a particular type font that um, like graphic designers use. It's basically just gibberish. <laughs> And it's Lauren like this, Ibsen. it's like a random gibberish. Um, and he, mm-hmm. he recognized it when he saw it and was able to do his best to make that like, what, so all my labor, if you ever get close to the labels on the pack, you literally can't read any of them because they all have just gibberish on them. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's an awesome detail. I don't, I don't think I've ever even seen that. What about, uh, the electronics, the sad story of your electronics. <laughs> oh that, no. Oh, that was such a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> so I I taught myself basic electrical engineering uh, throughout my course of uh, building proton packs. Um, I'm not Austin, like I'm not, I'm not like I don't have like a degree in it or anything. I just have a basic understanding of it to some extent. Um, and my pack, uh, they're all scratch built electronics. They're all point to point. I didn't have boards made for them. I literally sat for, for a month uh, soldering on like a perforated board, like wire to wire with chips and stuff like that. And there's uh, multiple Arduinos in there as well. Um, Not because I couldn't do it with one Arduino. I wanted to break it up into sections. So I knew if like one section went down, everything else would still work. So I kind of like broke it down into segments uh, just to minimize uh, um, failure. Um, But yeah, the, the, the the sad story that you're talking about is uh, right after I got, so I was trying to get the pack done for dragon con. I think it was, 2013 or 14 i forget what year it was um and originally my pack i wanted to be able to also have it go into at least a slime mode as well so to have the slime tube extend um as well um and i couldn't get that done for dragon con i was like okay i'll do that later and then i I was pretty burned out from spending a month soldering electronics together um so when literally later on that year uh my hard drive crashed on me and i lost all my code for all my uh, uh for my electronics so I literally can't go back and change it. And if I, and if I, if anything ever fails on that pack, I really can't fix it. I'm gonna, I'd have to rebuild electronics because I don't know what the code was anymore. And you can't, you can't like reverse pull code off of Arduino's. Like it's once it gets on there, it goes through a compiler that that changes the the, the format, the language, and whatnot. So, and not from what I understand, you can't really pull it back off and reassemble it back into the um, the uh, language that you originally coded it in. So somebody can do it. They're out there. <laughs> They're out there. So, so I literally like my pack is the way it is now. I can't change anything to it because if I because I if I wanted to, I'd have to sit and spend a month uh, probably rewriting all the code and and relearning how I made the electronics. I had like the gosh. I made schem- I handwritten schematics for how they work, but like as far as the code goes, like I don't remember how I made everything work. <laughs> so, so tell us about Jack's build. Okay, I know you're helping him. I know you're mm-hmm. helping him on it. Um, there's very rarely ever a project that you do that Jack's not involved with and vice versa when it comes to, to Ghostbuster props. Um, where is Jack going with his pack? Is he looking for something that's similar to yours? Cause I remember sitting in Jack's room years ago and looking and he had a, a gearbox that was all the ribs were separated out and pieces, mm-hmm. parts, kind of starting to prep this idea that he was going to load the thing up with so many servos and electric pieces that the the pack was going to be able to transform like it mm-hmm. does in the in the in the game so 
what's he doing? So, well, let me let me preface first by talking about like, for my pack, what can it actually do? Because um, then we'll build off that for like what Jack is going to do. So, fair. Uh, my pack looks like the final version of the pack. Um, I didn't want to make the ribs the move because I really didn't want to go through that process. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, I don't blame so, you. <laughs> so the, my original plan was to have at least be the, the, the normal state and then the slime blower state, which would have uh, had the slime tube come up. Um, and even my electronics now, like when you, I can swip, switch through different modes, it'll go into the slime blower mode. You'll hear the sounds. It just won't like transform at all. And then for the other two modes, um, I actually used uh, Windows uh, um, like voice to, uh, or uh, text to voice um, emulator. They get use a female voice to say like this this mode's not working or that mode's not working. So like it still will switch to the lights, but they won't like bl- they'll like blink twice like they're in error, and it'll say like this particular part of the pack is 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 malfunctioning. <laughs> Just so it's still like paid Which homage. I loved. To... Yeah. Well, even um, even from what I recall, your blink it, it almost is it's not even just not working. It's uh, it tries to convert, doesn't it? Blink the the proper color. Yep, like it, it blinks blue. the right color and stuff, and it's like malfunctioning. And then. then... <laughs> I thought that was so cool. It always yeah. reminded me of the uh, the Trendmasters Extreme Ghostbusters uh, Proton Pack. Yeah, where I, and I want to do that it. so it's still like if people are like, "Hey, does it go into that uh, the other modes?" Like, "Oh yeah, sure," and I would switch it and it would be like, "Oh, it's malfunctioning." Sorry, um, but uh, get away from me. So, so, the, so, the build, <laughs> so to build off that, so Jack wanted to go full hog. He wanted to he wanted to have all the mo- modes working. He wanted to be able to have. Um, the vents pop, uh, not the vents, the um, the ribs fold open and light up and everything, and the slime tube extend, and um, also the um, the EDA disc pop out for the um, for the last mode, and also like the um, antenna. They have, there's two there's two uh, um, rods on the um, end cap for the uh, um, for the INR. So they actually pop up and they make a um, a Jacob's ladder. I don't think his is going to make a Jacob's ladder, but I think he does want them to move. Yeah, I think it'd be a little dangerous if they made a Jacob's ladder. <laughs> no, he's got to do it. That's the that that's the one thing I want to see somebody tackle is a working Jacob's ladder INR. That's fucking, that's really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it'd be so fun. What's not dangerous about these, right? <laughs> so, um, so Jack is actually going through the process, and like you were saying, Dan, like when you saw his in process pack, um, he actually purposely removed all the ribs built like backing to them and he's making them separate and he's actually making all these camshafts and, 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 and all the stuff to help like them all run off like uh, servos and stuff and help them. Cause they don't even, they don't just fold out. They actually shift up then fold out and, oh and all this other stuff. So they, and, and uh, so he's going through the process of figuring that out. And it's also um, trying to get all the all electronics in those ribs as well. Cause there's like, I think it's like five or six, surface mounted lights and uh, like leds in there that he you need, need to get in there and stuff and so he's in the process of figuring all that out and i think he hit a a, a sense a, a, a moment of burnout going through that that he kind of stepped away for a little bit and we ended up making like real ghostbusters packs and a bunch of other stuff and now i think he's finally going back to it like uh took a whole pandemic for him to be like okay i guess i should work on this <laughs> well yeah i was I gonna mean, say uh, yeah it's like a Technically, the longest work in progress build, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> well, each Probably. one of those ribs has the equivalent of a power cell indicator in it. Yeah, for the most part, and they blink at different rates too. So it's not just like all the ribs oh blinking God. at the same time; they're they're staggered to some extent. 
as well. So it's just, uh, it's, it's, it becomes increasingly complicated. It goes back to the idea I was saying before about like orders of operation. So Jack needs to figure out like, when do I actually like install electronics? How do I do that? Do I do that before or after I paint the ribs? Do I paint the ribs first, install electronics, then install on the pack? When do I paint the pack? Like it's just this whole, it's not just, Oh, how do I build a proton pack? It's like, what order do I do it? And that's something that he kind of, uh, you know, he and I often talk about, <laughs> we sit there right. and, 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 and brainstorm like, okay, what should you do? What's the minimal risk that you have of messing this up <laughs> by doing it this way versus this other way? Um, so well, that's where you, you got to do. Okay. You got to make sure y'all's packs sync up so that this, the same light will blink on yours at the same okay. time that his blinks. <laughs> oh my God. And then make sure every single electronic in, in the entire firehouse blinks at the same time because it's all the same JPEG. <laughs> at the same rate. Oh, <laughs> at the same rate. Uh, that, that always bothered me yeah. in the video game where it's like, man, all these, every electronic in the entire firehouse is synced. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even with my pack, the one thing that irritates the crap out of me is that there's a couple small little quirks with my electronics that, that don't work quite right. Like uh, specifically like the vacuum tubes on my thrower, they're supposed to like do like a three-stage blink down. <laughs> like, because uh, they basically it's bright, middle, low, and then bright again, middle, low. And they just, they're supposed to do that. And it works on the, the, the vacuum tubes on the pack itself. But for some reason, the wand, they just, they just blink on. They stay on for a while, then they turn off. I was like, oh, and I can't, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm not sure what was wrong because the code seems like it's right for it. So it's something I messed up with the actual, like, soldering the electronics. And so there's also, like, a, there's one particular light that uh, I use it as, like, hey, my pack is on. Like, it's like a, a almost like an indicator light saying that my pack's on. But it's not supposed to be on when I flip the, all the batteries on. <laughs> it just, it's on static no matter what. And it's not supposed to. And I don't know why. I'm like, ah, whatever. Just, it lets me know the, the, the battery's on, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so with such an impressive pack build, um, where's the ghost trap, man? <sighs> I mean, I, I'm in the process of building a GB1 belt hanger for myself. Maybe after that, um, maybe I'll consider that. It's one of those things where, like, once again, like, the trap itself looks like it has a lot of found parts on it. They look almost like vacuum attachments. Like, to like a, yeah. Yeah. you know, but they're like finding ones that are the correct dimensions and the correct scale to a, to a ghost trap and stuff. We would have to scratch build all those parts. Tim hook had a lot of success with his video game trap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, he used a lot of found parts. He scratch built a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Tim was one of the first people to really start delving into metal parts. Yeah. Um, so yeah. he has some fabrication chops about them. And, uh, but I know there was like a, a car filter on there. Yeah. And yep. All kinds of weird stuff like yeah, it's that. It's super cool looking. It is. It's, and it's, it's wireless. My favorite design. <laughs> it's wireless and it doesn't transform. Yeah. There's no extra lights on the dumb thing. It's, it's all static. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, at some point, cause I also need to build, a um, the correct, um, not just a belt gizmo, but like the lifeguard was also like this weird, it's like a, it's yeah. a lifeguard in a, uh, in a, in a walkie talkie, like, uh, holster, with a, like with a circuit board, with a circuit board on, on which Jack and I actually used old Furbies. We turned, we, we found, <laughs> we found Furbies at like a local, uh, thrift store. We tore them apart because the, the shape of the circuit board that was in them was about the right shape and size. <laughs> so, so our, oh, uh, our, our, our lifeguards have Furby, <laughs> um, uh, electronic amazing. boards on them. So, 
Um, it doesn't even have. It's got like a little teeny tiny vacuum tube. On yeah, that's it too. supposed to light up as well. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. I forget if Jax does that. Mine doesn't. I mean, technically, you could do that with like a like a five millimeter LED, I guess, um, mm-hmm. to make that look like that. But yeah, there's a lot. Just a lot of scratch building, and and even like if I remember correctly, like in the 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 um the belt gizmo for the video game, someone found like a comparable like. Uh, calculator that would that matches it like has a green has like a like an off green colored they did like, board to yeah it. um i actually yeah. have a, a a steady search for it they pop up on ebay um not not super common not rare you know kind of mm-hmm. uncommonly show up uh it's like a curve 46 or something it's like a a weird cold war era polish calculator brand of course <laughs> um, of course yeah but you can get them well, for about 200 bucks. Again, like the that belt gizmo, I I know the person whose belt gizmo that was based off modeled after. <laughs> and that's what he used and he bought it because it was just like, oh, this is a close enough alternative to a Sanyo. This is, you know, a cheap alternative is what I'll use. And now as a result, it's become part of the the Ghostbusters prop canon if you will. Mm-hmm. And and now it's driven the price up, and it's no longer a cheap alternative to something. It is a Ghostbusters prop. Yeah. it's kind of crazy how that stuff works. Well, out. And even like the having the walkie-talkie on on the on the straps and stuff like that. Like they, uh, mm-hmm. I, what was that? It was a Motorola like one thousand or something like that? I forget what it was. I have it's one. like HT one thousand. Yeah, I forget. Yeah. I forget the model number of it. I have. It's one. a newer model. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. needs new labels. And yeah, I've what, seen people include those in their labels. I, I, ha, I have, I have, I uh, have the correct label on it now too. Uh, so someone saw. It's funny. Though, I forget who who it is that makes those labels now, but they saw me making my pack. And like, hey, you know, I can make the correct label for that for you. I'm like, okay, and and I was like, how much? He's like, no, no, no just give me your address. I'm like, oh, okay, nice. <laughs> so yeah, I have the correct label on my on my walkie talkie as well, but. Um, and he proceeded to come to your house and steal your pack and leave the labels <laughs> behind. <laughs> But it's just one of those things. It was definitely a labor of love, but it's also like I never wear it out just because it weighs like 50 pounds. Because mainly because I have multiple batteries in it and for no other reason than the amount of uh, power it draws. And even Jack, Jack just got them buying, I think, four uh, uh, lithium ion rechargeable batteries for it. But most of our packs like run off just one. This, his pack is going to have to mm-hmm. run off four. Depending, one's for audio One's for like the electronics and just the one, and then one's for the electronics in the pack, and then on top of that, like the another one's for like the servos. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So even then, he he's going to be rocking like ten pounds of just batteries, just a bit, make it all work. See, and I've always said that eventually, you know, I had started building a pack years and years ago. I still have your photo. Yeah. I still have your photos of your pack you were building on my on my computer oh God. as reference. I re I recently found some of the <laughs> some of those bits, and I'm like, these are terrible. <laughs> So but if you ever want photos of them, I, I have them. Actually, I, I might because I don't know that I still have those photos. But, mm-hmm. uh, I've always said that if I do one, it's going to be just the stage two with the slime blower. Mm-hmm. A, because I don't really like the wand with all the... I, I hate all the the bulk of it. Um, I don't like it. I've never liked it. Yours looks great. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful build. I just don't... It just doesn't... It was That's too the much. one thing. Yeah, it's too much, and it doesn't. That part doesn't feel Ghostbusters to me. It feels like Halo or something. You know, some other weird sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but up to up to mode two with the slime blower, like the additional basically a whole gun box to run the slime tether and all that, like that still feels Ghostbusters to me. I I just um, want the dark matter reactor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and and but I'm not as brave as Jack, nor as I'm as knowledgeable or as gifted as Jack. Um, and I've often thought about doing a modification to a shell to run blue EL wire mm-hmm. under the ribs mm. so that when you enter the dark matter mode, your cyclotron changes and then you get a blue glow under mm-hmm. the ribs, but they're you know not shooting out because not only from a prop building standpoint does that sound like a logistical nightmare, I just I just think about all the times my pack's been knocked into. Yep. At events mm-hmm. and just walking around. Well, and that's that's one of the other things that Jack has to also figure out, too. Not only is he going to have servos to open up the ribs and move them, he has to actually in- install micro switches within those ribs so uh, that the ribs can be able to communicate to the Arduino what state they're in. So, like, if they're open, they'll be hitting a switch, or if they're closed, they'll be hitting a switch. So the so the Arduino knows, are they open or are they closed? Because, like, if, let's say, he has a power failure in the middle of them being open or something like that, let's say just the batteries die or something like that, when he recharges the battery and turns it back on, he wants to make sure that it can reset itself without being like, oh, it thinks it's closed, it's actually open, and just like completely tears apart the whole, <laughs> all the ribs. See, this is this is stuff that I would never think about, ever. Yeah. You know, that's just the, the amount of work and time that's going into this thing. I mean, it's going to be incredible, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like... Well, and even I, he and I have talked about like what... what uh, one of our other friends was asking about building a pack and they were debating about if they just made the pack with the ribs just static open all the time and just have it always in that mode. I've heard, uh, I've, I've had people talk about that from time to time. I think the moving ones are I mean, cooler, I, but good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, to me, I wouldn't want those open all the time. I mean, eventually they're just going to snap off. Yeah. Well, and the yeah. Whole, whole other thing that people don't think about too much is like the venting animation as well on those packs. Like the whole freaking, mm-hmm. it's not just a bumper that moves out and like the, and the end filter folds down. The cyclotron like accordions out and the back, like twists, accordions out and then yeah. slams back together. And if you do like the, uh, oh, the super overheating, like where you max, like max out before it overheats, they, it double extends out even farther. And Jack was actually talking to me the other day. He's like, he's still debating on whether he should do that. He just doesn't feel like cutting his cyclotron up. And he's like, if he was going to do that, he would have to probably dabble into 3D printing just to make it all fit. And make it all like, like fit together, like yeah. like uh, um, slide together and whatnot. So he's he's like, I think I'm going to skip that. But he was definitely he was sitting there contemplating it at one point again. I mean, one day somebody's going to do it. Yeah, eventually, well, some you know, 3D printing technology or whatever is going to get to the point where like what we see in the game you can make in actuality. Mm-hmm. But well, it's also interesting too because even Jack he just posted like earlier this week where he wanted to have like some fit something physically on the inside of his end filter, just to give it a little bit of character, even though you don't really see the inside of the end filter in the game because of the, uh, as it's animation. So he actually took the ideas from what they had inside the end filter for the afterlife pack for the one that opens. Yeah. Up. So he had like, uh, he had all these like uh, um, hexagonal, like little, little uh, uh, fittings inside there. To, uh... Yeah. He cut up a mechanical pencil. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was great. I <laughs> love that. I was like, you, you know, and, and that's kind of the mindset I take sometimes. It's like, yeah, you could 3D print that, but if you don't already have a model, but you have a printer, you download a model, you print it. Well, how how long is it going to take you to print that piece? Grab a piece of styrene and just cut it up. You know, st- start cutting it up and gluing it together. It's done in an hour. Yep. 
I have the worst I love, luck. I, I love that solution. I have the worst luck when it comes to cutting styrene. Like, I'll, I, I'm, you know, for my IDW pack, I'm trying to cut the ribs out. And uh, I have a piece of styrene plastic. It's it's not terribly thick. I have a brand new utility knife with brand new blades on it. Mm-hmm. It still is taking me like 20 passes just to cut the damn thing. So what I would say is is actually get get medical uh, scalpels. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jack uses scalpels and or uh, he uses exacto blades too, but he goes back between the two of them. Okay. Good. And if you're gonna get exacto blades, get the ones I forget what they're called, but they're like gold. Yeah. yeah they have a gold edge on them. Okay. Way more durable. Yeah. But yeah, Jack uses. Um, are you trying? Oh, okay. I was gonna say, are you trying to cut all the way through the styrene? Well, yeah. So what you do is you score yeah. a bunch of times and you snap. Yeah. yeah. No, I know that. I mean, I'm not. Okay. I was no, like, no, I'm. Even to get that score done, I have to 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 make a few passes just to get to that point in which I can snap it apart. Um, yeah, I'm like 20 passes. Just yeah, to get, get, to the get point scalpels. Can... Like that's when, when I, at Jack's house, he has like his workbench and he has like a couple of little cups that has like uh, his different cutting implements and he keeps his, mm-hmm. he has scalpels that are literally just for cutting styrene. So he doesn't use them on anything else. Um, and he tries to keep those sharp and he replaces them as, as necessary. <laughs> then he has his exacto blades, which he lets, uh, he uses for more like, cleaning up edges and stuff like that. And those he doesn't replace as often because they don't need to be nearly as sharp. Um, and then, then there's also, which we'll call the um, uh, utility knives are okay as well, but the scalpel, we're going to get in scalpels. Yeah. I'm I, sure you I, can buy them in bulk on Amazon really cheap. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Or yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I can get some scalpels. I'm going to, I'm going to have to look into that because uh, that's been a, a frustrating part as far as my, IDW build goes is I'm, I'm literally getting frustrated with how much effort it is just to cut these stupid ass ribs. Yeah. Um, if you, I mean, do you have access to a table saw? Uh, not, not a good one and not within reasonable. I was going to say, range. I use a bandsaw sometimes. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, actually a buddy of mine has a small tabletop bandsaw that, that might work well. You just have um, to go really slow because <laughs> bandsaws yeah. have a habit of, pulling they'll, they'll they'll flex like this a little bit so all of a sudden if you're not careful if you're going too fast all of a sudden your your cut that looks nice and straight will be like a little tilted yeah. a little mm-hmm. wobbly so you have to take it slow and be careful but they can they can cut down on time too if you don't feel like uh, using the good old uh sharp sharp uh, edge and in a um, snap yeah I'll, I'll i'll have to look into some more solutions um well excellent so trying to think i mean talk so much about these video game props you had mentioned though that jack had uh taken inspiration from the afterlife in filter mm-hmm. and uh has has anyone gone back and looked there's a cyclotron that's actually popped off as a that's just a video oh yeah game down in the basement in the game down in the basement and it actually looks pretty close to what they they kind of used in Afterlife. What's also funny too, because they also have a, a real Ghostbusters PK down there, and they also have a, a, a Extreme Ghostbusters trap down there too. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. nice Easter eggs. The, the, We'd the have to go back. Ghostbusters and look. trap is weird. Yeah, it is weird. Well, let me see if I have any of that reference on on my uh, if we actually have that saved on at all. Is it popped off and is it flipped over where you can see the inside, or is it just laying flat with the front facing up? I want to say the pack is laying 
flat down and the cyclotron is partially removed. So you can see like concentric rings okay. underneath. It's obviously not exact, uh, but yeah. the the idea is in there and it, it, it almost gives more credence to the fact that they're from the same universe. I know a lot of people are upset that the video game is no longer canon with Afterlife. I don't mm. particularly care because, I mean, still build your damn proton pack. <laughs> you can still, you, it, the game does not suddenly disappear. Cease to does, exist. It, it cease to exist. Well, yeah. and beyond that, too, I mean, no one's complaining that the, the comics aren't aren't, uh, aren't canon either. Oh, well, oh no, they are. <laughs> oh, no, they are. Okay. You can get on that. Yeah. You're just not looking in the right place, man. <laughs> Actually, I stopped reading the comics after they originally were like, they stopped. I think they got done fighting uh, one of Gozer's Tiamat. relatives. Yeah, Tiamat. Tiamat. Yeah, Tiamat, whoever. That's where that's where I stopped reading. I haven't read anything past that. There's a lot of crossovers and stuff like that. Yeah, they got really big into multiverse and crossovers, and there was almost like a uh, a soft reset. And I think if they went back to them, they'd probably be another reset. But that, that has nothing to do with props. Um, <laughs> so if you had to go back, Matt, you know, let's say you're, you're back at square one mm-hmm. um, for building your video game pack. What would you do differently now that you know, now that you have, you know, this, this exceptional amount of experience in, mm-hmm. in building that um, for potentially anybody who is doing like a 3D printed video game pack, putting it together. I know you've mentioned order of operations a lot, um, but is there anything that you would do differently? I would do a better life? job backing up my Arduino code. <laughs> 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 I actually, now I keep all my Arduino code on my laptop, on a thumb drive in my pocket, and I also have an external hard drive as well. <laughs> I back all that stuff up, so it's, I have redundancy now. Um, but as far as like your actual question, um, <laughs> besides uh, code, I probably would do the electronics a little bit differently now, mainly just because like, Technology has gotten a little bit better over the last 10 years. Um, I would do the audio a little bit differently. Uh, I was using something called a, a wave trigger from uh, SparkFun. Uh, it was an electronic website. And it works fine and whatnot, but now I, I have better technology, like what I have in like the pack that's behind me now, my mm-hmm. Omni pack, as well as what's going what's in my uh, uh, Afterlife pack. Um, there's these really small stackable board, like audio boards that I would probably use differently. Um, and also I'd probably work, work with someone like, uh, maybe Cole or something like that, to kind of like actually design boards that could be printed <laughs> so that, um, it, w- it would also cut down on the, like the assembly time mm-hmm. as well. Um, that's probably the biggest thing is electronics and stuff. As far as the actual construction, I think, I think Jack and I did a pretty sound job with the construction yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still For by sure. far one of the most beautiful video game builds. I mean, even the 3d prints now, I mean, they're getting really amazingly detailed and you look at the, the geometrics and it's like, yeah, that looks great. Um, but so much of it comes to one of the things we talk about a lot, which is the finish. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned that you go for the finish of, you wanted your video game pack to look like the movie packs in that, Hey, these are found parts, not necessarily scratch built parts, which it comes off very successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's all found parts. Well, and even, like, with my pack, like, the weathering. Originally, when I started weathering the pack, I tried to weather as much as I could, like, the video game, and I realized in real life is just way too much. So I actually had to, like, yeah. Yeah. repaint and then go back and try again. And, and, and I very specifically looked at, like, screen caps of the, of the, of the video game, and I was like, okay, what pieces of weathering really stand out to me? Like, what draws my eyes? Like, 
is it like a like there's like a couple nicks on top of like the cyclotron i was like okay i want those they're pretty big gouges i want those like there's big big scratches yeah, almost. yeah it's like two I, or yeah. three big scratches down <clears throat> so i was like i need those and like like i just kind of like sat there and, and tried to figure out like what's the parts of the weather that really stand out to me and that's what i'm gonna replicate i'm not gonna try to do all of it because it looks like it's just way too much in person yeah yeah so is that it's one you of think, those uh, oh sorry austin go on no, you go, go ahead, dude. Do you think that's just an artifact of trying to make it pop more as far as something you see on television versus something you see? I think it's it's partially that. And it's also the uh, one thing I had mentioned earlier in the podcast about how they just copy and paste the textures. Right. As well. So, and there's, there's textures that overlap and whatnot. So it just makes this like weird look where they just like, like the perfect example, like the bottom plate of the, um, of the pack is actually copied and pasted somewhere else's texture on, 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 sorry, bomb plate of the thrower is actually copied and pasted as texture elsewhere on the pack. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like stuff like that. Like it's just like weird, weird stuff like that. I'm like, I'm not replicating that because <laughs> it just looks weird. Um, but it's even like Austin last podcast was talking about like even the weathering on the afterlife packs. You know how, like, uh, depending on how it's done, it kind of looks too much at times. And even like, I think Austin, you said it took you a while to get used to actually being used to the the weathering on those packs. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's still some areas in that pack where I'm like, it doesn't make sense that there's weathering there, but whatever, you know. But and, and I feel like the video game pack, Dan already kind of touched on it. Is like, you know, a lot of that weathering and stuff. It's probably just to make it stand out more, um, and and to uh break it up a lot you know visually um and so when you're when you're applying that to a physical real world prop that you're trying to replicate you know it, it becomes too much yeah. you gotta you gotta pull back and and be a little more subtle with well it. even with like the ribs on the on the game pack like they are twice as thick as they are in a movie pack and like mm-hmm. uh they so normally the cyclotron not cyclotron normally the power cell has five ribs on it on, on a movie pack. The ones on the game are only four. They, they literally have four ribs on every box. Any box that has ribs on it has four ribs on it uh, as well. So hmm. they just kind of like change things around like that too. and made them bigger. So they stood out a little bit more and like make like, I always found it funny how they like made uh, two of the rib, ribs blink, like uh, trying to replicate like what was happening with the race dances pack and the GB one. I like yeah. how they made that actual like cannon on the, on the game packs. And then they actually, duplicated on the other parts of the pack as well it's just yeah yeah i mean it's a weird detail i i get that's a, like maybe a fun little easter egg or whatever but like practically it doesn't make a lot of sense no a me. lot of lights no, don't what make is sense. that what is <laughs> yeah and that's something about the video like the aesthetics of the video game like visually it's very ghostbusters to me i thought they did a really good job up until maybe the last mode mm-hmm. um but there's so much you know the uh all the lights in the gun uh gun box gun mount mm-hmm. you know i get why they're there in the video game mm-hmm. you know it's your heads up display basically i probably would never include those on my pack well i used mine um, uh, uh so some of mine are actually my bad battery indicators they actually tell me how much juice i still have in my batteries <laughs> nice which is great which i decided to do because i think they're like your life if i remember they're like your your uh like how damaged you are i guess or how much how much more punishment you can take it's like your health your health and and your overheating how close you are to overheating yeah Yeah. so yeah i still have the overheating and actually 
pairs up with the overheating uh, um, bar graphs on my thrower as well. And then the other ones, the green ones are your health. Actually, I have it as my the health of my batteries, I guess, if you want to. Which is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's awesome that you, you know, you applied it practically to what your pack does. I, I just, I don't like them. In the game. <laughs> even, even, even in my real Ghostbusters uh, pack, like there's that, uh, there's a voltmeter on it that, um, on the, on the, um, where the crank knob would be on a, mm-hmm. on a movie pack. I have that. Yeah. That's my, that's my voltage meter for my actual batteries as well. <laughs> See, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Also just the fact that like, there's no surface to mount a gun hook hardly. Nope. When you have the barely, there is, I had to add actually, Jack's not going to be putting a gun hook on, on his. I did because I was like, I need to be able to display this somehow and I need to not be able to have have the thrower in my hand sometimes because I was just too worried about yeah. like hang, trying to hang, hang it from your belt because it's basically hanging like 20 pounds of crap from your belt, which you already have a bunch of stuff hanging mm-hmm. from your belt. So um, I personally put a V hook on mine. That's the probably one of the biggest inaccuracies in my pack is I do have a V hook. Um, but yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot of space for it. That's for sure. I had to mount it a little I remember bit lower. It, yeah, I remember everybody trying to come up with ways you could do it magnetically i was like it no (laughs) you're not gonna do it magnetically that's too much shit yeah everybody always goes to magnets for some reason for attaching how do they work and i'm like just just put a (laughs) put a fucking v-hook on it guys (laughs) come on well and i've even seen some guys and maybe you did this matt i don't remember but they they do a v-hook but it's small yeah mine's small little miniature version okay yep and you know, I think that's a good compromise. And that's the same. Th- actually, I used the same size V hook. I ma- I made them myself. And the, the one I also used the V hook for mounting my slime tank onto the injector tube mm-hmm. as well, because I wasn't going to have it just hanging there just by a uh, uh, oh, bungee cord. By bungee cord. Yeah. So there's a there's a V hook <laughs> there too, the holding them to the to the actual injector tubes, and then the um, the bungee cords kind of keep it stable as well. Yeah, that's that's uh, a very smart move. Like I remember when I was making mine, I did. I couldn't find a real tank or whatever at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, mine that I built years ago is it's a series of PVC couplers stacked together and a, an acrylic, you know, Christmas ball mm-hmm. or Christmas ornament for the dome. Yeah, my, mine. I mean, mine's just an acrylic tube with an acrylic dome on the one end. And I capped it with styrene on the bottom and put a little rim of like a, a like a thin piece of styrene. And then I plastic dipped the bottom of it to make it look like a bottom black cap yeah and i paint the rest of it and stuff and it looks good i think it looks good at least yeah i mean and the one i built turned out good it's just it's it's heavy yeah you know i mean even for just being pvc couplers and stuff it's heavy and i i remember trying to like stick it on my pack with just the bungee cords i'm like there's no way yeah you have to have some kind of mount yeah if it was legitimately metal like if you were making an actual pack and it was an actual tank that would that would have been extremely heavy i mean i did find those auctions yeah i did see that (laughs) <laughs> I'm totally going to use one when I get around to building one eventually. Good luck. <laughs> Did anybody from Terminal Reality ever uh, comment on your pack? Did anybody Not that I know it? of. No? Not that I know oh. of. I mean, to be fair, like the only real public place I, I posted it was on uh, on GB fans. So I don't know how sure. often they would like go uh, digging through GB fans. I don't, I don't. I don't go too crazy with like posting my stuff publicly, other than than that. So. Like I don't really post anything on Instagram or anything, and uh, even like the workbench, I I think I had like one or two photos I've posted on there, but even then, that's I guess it's public, but not really. Well, Austin, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to post up a link to your build so listeners can go back and and take a look if they're not aware of it. So after the show, Matt, make sure you send us a hot link to the GB fans thread. Okay, I know you have it framed somewhere. I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> New 
computer. Better save to my favorites, my video game pack build thread. <laughs> Actually, I probably have. No. I probably still have it in my signature on GB fans. Oh, probably. <laughs> I forgot. That's what everyone that used was. to do. We used to, everyone used it to put was, like the yeah. link to their All builds. Your builds would be in your in your thread. Nope, I remember that. Um, I miss that so much. Everybody had crazy banners and in, inside jokes and chat room quotes, and <laughs> all sorts of good stuff. Beautiful. Well, I found so it. It's twelve pages are, long. So we are coming up uh, pretty much to the end of the show. Matt, was there anything else about your video game build that you wanted to, to talk about or mention? Or um, trying to think if there's anything else worth mentioning. I mean. It was a pain in the ass to build, and I barely wear it because of how heavy it is, but it's still a labor of love. I still have it hanging up on my wall, and it tends to be a very large like uh, topic of, of discussion for a lot of people. Like, most people are like, oh, boy, you have a bunch of proton packs. What's that one? <laughs> so it's, it's the one that sticks out among all of them, and even more so it's than my real Ghostbusters pack. pack. So It's a it's a really yeah. cool pack, and, yeah. and you know, you and Jack did incredible jobs. I, I can't wait to see what Jack is able to, to do. I'm sure we'll get, I'm, I'm thinking that we'll probably get about six or seven months of really solid work out of Jack. And then it'll be another five years before he picks it back up again. Um, but I still love the progress and I love the idea and I love the, uh, the evolution of ideas that, that Jack has come, especially the, that, that staggered lighting to, to yeah. kind of make it more. Well, like and, a, and Jack has said to me a couple of times, I think that his game pack is literally the most complicated prop he's ever made. And he's made some pretty complicated things. And this is literally like the most complicated thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I, I can't even believe that he's undertaking. Especially considering, like, is. like you guys said, no 3D printing. He's not, he's not necessarily having like, like he all, all the, all the stuff for like the servos and stuff like that. He's making from styrene and stuff like that. He's not like casting. He's not like having machined stuff right. made for. He's mm-hmm. just you know plastic and whatnot. So it's which is crazy, even cooler to me. Yeah. It's and I'll, I'll, I'll probably hand cut from from what I could gather. At least the, the initial demo one he did for me uh, that he showed me was all hand cut. I'm not sure what he's planning on doing for the final version of it. But I have seen so I have seen what gonna... he's done, and it, I mean it does work. Like he's in his hand, like he has sitting on his table, and he showed me, and his design worked. It just I don't know if he's going to be making it all from plastic or metal or what. That's awesome. I don't know. It's I'm I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see at least some demos of the fins and stuff at some point. Mm-hmm absolutely so um yeah so that's that's session 12 for the the black firehouse podcast um austin any final thoughts before we sign off for today uh if you build a stage for ghostbusters the video game proton pack do not use a rothko or fox outdoors alice frame (laughs) that's that's it that's what you got that's it i I was gonna say if That's... anyone's going to be build video game uh, props, I really want to see people do the original Atari slash NES Ghostbuster stuff, like the the, go, the vacuum, <laughs> the super trap, the super marshmallow sensors, all that stuff. That's what I, I yeah. want to see those. That, that would, be, would cool. be really fun. That'd be cool. No, no sanctum of slime. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> all that stuff. I uh, very recently wasn't sinking the slime the one with like the Humvee that they were riding around in. Yeah, it was the Humvee <laughs> yeah. and, and homeless Winston Zedmore. Yeah, like it oh, was no. it was a terrible game. Oh. I, I recently saw someone post that they were stuck on a level and they were like, 
can anybody help? I'm like, well, your first problem is that you're playing Sanctum of Slime. Um, <laughs> Speaking of other video games, uh, have you guys seen like the, the trailer for the VR experience? Whatever? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I actually, so the, the idea seems cool. I don't like how the props look like in the, in the game. No. Like, the they look, and stuff yeah. like that. They just look weird to me. I don't care like about characters having like bunny ears and stuff or cat ears, whatever it was the one, the female one was wearing, but like the th- props themselves like the packs and the throwers and stuff just look weird to me. I don't, I, I'm they sure. They look like Ghostbusters. They look like Fortnite. Yeah, yeah they look for, like exactly. Fortnite, so. yeah. I mean, it's a cool idea and, but just, yeah, that's, that got to me a little bit. I was like, oh man. We'll have to see where it goes. Like it, that was definitely not final design stuff. So yeah. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see where that goes. It'll also be interesting to see where the new Illiphonic Ghostbuster stuff goes because mm-hmm. I think there's going to be upgrades and and things to that that people will definitely want to build. Um, but we're we are out of time, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and and leave us at that. Again, session twelve uh, for the Black Firehouse podcast. You can get us on our RSS feed, Spotify. And on Apple Podcasts every Tuesday, um, every Friday, you can listen to us on YouTube, which is the, the same episode we try to release every single Tuesday. You can always join the conversation over at Spangler's 1984 Workbench and give us a like on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. So this is, as always, Dan Harshman and Austin Young telling you to go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye, you guys. What have you got, by? For whatever reason, Spray, call it... Call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.